Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This message was recorded at the NCMI Gauteng Equip, hosted at Venture Church. We hope it will be a blessing to you. So relational, real, redemptive, involved, and today we're going to be looking at commissioned. They kind of build around and on top of one another. They reinforce one another, but it all comes back down to that relational thing. God is interested in relationship with his creation. He is interested in getting to know us personally. He is interested in us getting to know him personally. And that's why we have to do it really. And I'm not mixing things up because uh, this relational thing with one another and with God is in a sense two, two sides of one, sto- one coin, two sides of one story. Talk about mixed metaphors. As we get to know one another, we realize more about relationships. As we get to know about relationships, we get to understand how God interacts with us, how he is interested and wants to be involved in every single aspect of our lives. And so, relational, real, redemptive, this is a ma- that's a massive characteristic of who we are as Christians, as people, especially as South Africans, we are super good at writing one another off. You rub me up the wrong way, that's it. I will never forgive you. Actually, I think it's a human thing. It's not just a South African thing. It's a human thing. We are very good at writing people off. And I think there's a number of different reasons for that. Some is because of hurt, which I get. But God reached through the hurt that we had caused him by our sin and chose to redeem us. And as believers, we follow in his footsteps. We embrace that same value so that when we do hurt one another, we confront one another in love, not tit for tat to get our own back, but to point out sin so that we can both grow and we redeem those relationships. If it wasn't for redemption, I should have been written off a very, very long time ago by God, by the the people, mostly the people who are closest to me. But because of Jesus' involvement in my life, because he is Lord, those situations have been able to be redeemed. If you've known the goodness and grace of God in your life and you're not living there now, Can I tell you, God wants to redeem it. And one of the key ways that we move towards receiving God's redemption in us is by getting involved. We can't be passive. One of the lines of the songs that we we sung earlier, your goodness is running after me. I've thought about that phrase. And It can be taken positively, which is, I'm sure, how it was originally written, but it can also be taken negatively. When we think of the phrase, um, I was running after so-and-so, we often think 
of a parent running after a spoiled child. And in that sense, that phrase is completely untrue. God does not indulge our tantrums. He allows us, as one of the words uh, that, that, that came, or one of the testimonies that came said, he allows us to move away from him. He doesn't run after our sin. But when we are pressing in with his purpose and plan, his goodness hunts us down to lavish his love upon us. And in that sense, which like I said, I'm sure is how the song was written or what was in mind when the song was written, the love of God, the power of God, the goodness of God is just um, lavishing upon us. You can't turn this way or that without finding the goodness of God in every situation you face. Notice I'm not saying um, the gooey, gooey feelings. Sometimes the goodness of God is lavished on us in the most challenging circumstances. I'm looking forward to hearing some of the testimonies from the Zim trip. One of the greatest things for me from the Zim trip was the incredible challenge they faced at the border post where they were turned away. What would you have done if you had invested money, time, effort, spiritual preparation, and you get to the border, which should be just a formality, and you're turned away? Do you want to give up? Well, I'm sure that those feelings go through everybody's minds. But do you give up? Do you allow yourself to stay where you are? Or do you press into God? Overcoming. We are more than conquerors. You cannot be a conqueror if you haven't fought a battle. God brings us through victorious. So one of the ways to work, to, 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 to press in to the redeeming heart of God is to get involved because it gives him a chance to work with us. And that's why we have to be gracious with one another because God is at work in each and every single one of us. And that brings me to, we are commissioned. We're not on our own mission. We have been co-opted into God's mission. This word commissioned, um, when we think of it, we usually think of somebody else. Somebody else is commissioned. They've been uh, commissioned to do this. They've been commissioned to do that. They've been appointed to that. Or maybe we think of a, an official moment, a commissioning. Like when we put deacons in place, we commissioned them into this thing. Or we think of somebody who has authority to set people in a place. And as I uh, looked through Bible dictionaries and prepared and looked at the scripture, which is full of this idea of commissioning, I realized there are three aspects to this idea of commission or commissioning. The word group is used in these three ways or with these three ideas. First of all, commissioning is about commanding and being commanded to do something or to do some task. God commissioned Jesus to be savior of the world. He commanded him and Jesus submitted. 
But it wasn't aimlessly, it was purposefully. God had a purpose and plan in play, in place, in Jesus. And he commissioned him to that by commanding him to do it. There's also this idea of, um, there's also this idea of being, being commissioned is about being given official permission or approval to do something, to do that task. So when we're commissioned, we are given authority to do the task for Jesus was given authority to become a human being, to be fully incarnated, to Latin words we stick together, to talk about Jesus coming in the flesh. And I always remember what that means by remembering chili con carne, chili with meat, chili with flesh. Jesus was incarnated. He was made in flesh. God, who is spirit, took on human form, and not as, as a, an apparition or a 3D hologram, but by becoming incarnate in flesh. He had authority to fulfill the plan and the purpose that God had given for him. And he commissioned the apostles. More on that just now. And then commissioning thirdly is about the task, the official task that has to be done. So commissioning is about commissioned to a task. We're not just commissioned to have a title. In fact, most of what we think of as titles are labels that describe being commissioned to a task. Here's pastor is a great one. We say, whoa, whoa, pastor. As if it was some label of honor. And it is received, certainly, as a label of honor. But actually, it's a word that talks about a commissioning to a task. Pastoring, shepherding, leading sheep, a flock, a group of us who are very good at going our own way, about ruining our relationships and needing lots of redemption, about getting distracted and uninvolved and being drawn back into the presence of God and re-embracing the fact that we have been commissioned. So some objections that may just spring into your mind where as I'm starting to hone in on the reality that if we don't just have, hold commissioned as a value, but we value it because God has commissioned believers. So some objections that may spring into your mind. Surely you have to study to be commissioned. We always think of um, people who are being set in place as being degreed or having done certi some certification or we don't let just anybody um, per perform surgery on us. They have to have studied. Well, it wasn't true of Jesus. Jesus didn't study except as an apprentice, as a carpenter in, his, uh, in Joseph's uh, workshop. Neither did Peter or James, as far as we can see. In fact, the testimony about them in Acts is that they were unlearned people. 
but they'd been with Jesus. On the other hand, Paul was highly learned and educated. So what do we, what do we take away from that? It seems to indicate that studying isn't a prerequisite, but it isn't an obstacle either. There is, a, there is a strong sentiment in one part of the church that you can't do anything without studying. And there's an equally strong sentiment in a different part of the church that you can't do anything if you have studied. God wants us to know Him. And knowing means studying Him. But our studying is not a prerequisite. God calls us into what he's commissioned us. And I'm going to use those words a little bit interchangeably, called and commissioned. He calls us, he commissions us into, not because of who we are now, but because of who he's called us to be. And I am going to say quite a bit about that just now. So surely we have to study well. That doesn't seem to be the case in the scripture and I'm saying that it is a picture of his pattern for our lives. Why? Because it's all about him. So if everyone's commissioned by God, why don't I know what to do? Just think about potential questions that may have popped into your mind at various stages. Here's a wonderful principle from Galatians 3.3. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now trying to be made complete by the flesh? That's what Galatians 3.3 says. The principle is, having started by faith, having started in the things of God, when you came to know Jesus, was it your idea or was it God's idea for you that you responded to? Having started that way, do you now want to go back to living in God the old way? That's what Paul's saying. And that's one of our great challenges. How, do we, how come I don't know what to do? Because well, God wants us to be dependent on him. Do you know what the scripture says pleases God? There's only one thing. Hebrews 11 verse six. What is it? Thank you, somebody. <laughs> faith. It is faith that pleases God. It's not our great skill that's useful. It's not our great study and our great intellect and our great beauty and our great bodies. It is faith. All those other things that we tend to um, give worth and value to are tools that can enable or hinder us from living God's way. Being commissioned is about living out our faith. We come to know Jesus by faith. We live in him by faith. When we are commissioned, God does not give us the whole picture. The only time that I can see in the scripture where God does lay out most of the picture is Saul of Tarsus is Paul's conversion, where he says to Ananias, go and tell him, blah, 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 and all that he will suffer for my name. That's not usual. 
can't put God in a box, fortunately. So one of the reasons we battle with this is we want a 15-year life plan when God calls us to speak to the person in front of us. It was wonderful hearing testimony just now. Uh, Andrew, thank you. Just about feeling prompted to go and, to, to go and speak to someone and doing it. God's not going to give you a 15-year super detailed plan of exactly what's going to come out of that simple act of obedience. He calls us to simple faith and then the obedience that comes from faith. Romans 1.8 and then I think 16.20, somewhere around there. Just as an aside, I, I remember reading that phrase in Romans 1. I think probably the first or the second time I read the book of Romans. But I remember reading that phrase in uh, Romans 16 only kind of two years ago and realizing it's like they're like bookends. It starts with the obedience that comes out of faith, Paul is saying in his introduction to Romans. And then he takes us on this incredible road through this book, which is mind-numbingly awesome and wonderful, and he gets to the end, and he's giving conclusion, and he finishes his conclusion, he starts greeting people personally, and in there he slips that same phrase, the obedience of faith. It begins and it ends with the obedience that comes from faith. Literarily, they call that an inclusio. It's an incredible device that says, hey, I'm a sandwich. Everything that comes between me all the, all the goodies that's inside your delectable, delightful sandwich, they're held together by these two pieces of truth bread. So if you are battling with, what do I need to do? It's possible it's because you're wanting to, you're wanting to, to work out all the details, to have the 15-year plan, to fill in all the dots before you start. God says, put your hand to the plow. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So, having introduced, <laughs> I have three points, three scriptures I want to share with you, or three groups of scriptures I want to share with you. The first one is very well known. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. How do I know that I'm commissioned? Well, Jesus has given all believers a great commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you all the days until the end of the age. This was Jesus telling his disciples what to do now that he was leaving. From here, in all the Gospels, Jesus is taken out of their sight. A cloud comes and envelops him, and he is gone. So he's telling them what they should do now that he's gone. There's a sense in, in which we need to take this doubly seriously. While we're alive, we can say lots of things to lots of people of various levels of importance, but surely, and we like to think of this, uh, this whole idea of 
the final word and testament, a deathbed speech maybe. The last thing, if, if I'm gonna sum up all my life, how am I going to, what am I gonna say and what's gonna be the lasting meaningful impact, the very last words I'm gonna speak. Well, this is Jesus' very last words on this earth. And that's why we call it the Great Commission. The disciples were wondering, well, what am I gonna do? Jesus, you're going? You know, first of all, we thought you were gonna set up an eternal kingdom and then you were brutally executed and we didn't know what was happening and everything was falling apart and then you came to life again and we saw you and, and, and we can witness that you're alive and now you're going again. What's going on? What are we gonna do? What's happened? Jesus tells them, this is what you're going to do. And based on how Jesus prays in John 17, John 17 is Jesus' prayer in the garden, the only kind of record we have of it. And verse 20 says, and I don't ask on behalf of these only, these disciples who are physically here, but also on behalf of all those who will believe in me through their word. And no, that's not just for the next generation, it's for the generations to come. In other words, it's for you and me. And that same principle applies to the Great Commission of Matthew 28. That commission is great because of, of the scope of it, but it's also great because of the longevity of it. This is God's plan. He hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't adjusted it because of circumstances. He hasn't uh, reviewed and, uh, and found it wanting and and. It's something else now. This was, is, and remains the purpose and plan of God to which he commissions us because that's what hap is happening here. We call it the great commission, even though the word isn't used there, because it's Jesus telling his disciples those things we, we talked about earlier. This is what you're gonna do, the command. I'm giving you authority to do it. We can read that in a second in, in Mark 16, 19 to 20, where Mark records the same commissioning with a different emphasis. I'm giving you authority to do it. And this is the task. We tend to look at the task and be overwhelmed instead of looking at the task and seeing the great God who is able to achieve such a great thing and has chosen to include me in working out his plan. So, the Mark 16 scripture that I mentioned. Then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. They went out and proclaimed everywhere while the Lord was working with them and confirming the message through the accompanying signs. This was our vision scripture two years ago. Here Mark is saying, as we obey the commissioning, as we walk in and out of the commissioning that God has given us, he releases supernatural miracle power. Supernatural miracle power in saving people from their sins, drawing them into salvation, supernatural power in healing the sick to testify to the reality of this eternal kingdom now. 
supernatural power in setting people free from demonic influences and forces. He commissioned them and he has commissioned us. So you may ask, well, when did I get commissioned? Did I miss that meeting? I studied through UNISA for many years. And at the end of the time that I was studying was the time that the government was kind of consolidating various technicons and universities and UNISA was going through massive changes. And I ended up spending an extra couple of years because each year they changed the requirements for me to get my, uh, to get my degree. And uh, when I got my list of subjects, it was ridiculous because they had moved almost a third of them to non-degree purposes. But the point is, they never let me know when my, um, what do you call it, graduation was. I got the invitation and my certificate at the same time. And it was uh, five months after the event. No, no, it was four months after the event. So you were invited to join us for a, a mighty conclave and the date is four months earlier. But it didn't change the fact that I had, I had been acknowledged, recognized, dare I use the word commissioned, <laughs> to this degree of learning. God spoke through Jesus. So when did that apply to me? Was I, uh, was I somewhere else? Did I not get the, the message in the post? Did I miss the email? Did I blue tick the, uh, the, the WhatsApp without reading it properly? No, we've just read when you were commissioned. And Jesus says, through this, this is your commissioning. If you believe in me, if you believe in Jesus, then you receive this commission. Like I said, the scope of this commission is why we call it great. But you're not expected to do all of it on your own. We as believers in Jesus, throughout all time and in all places, are expected to obey God in following him as he works out his plan in us and through us. Our, uh, our reading, when we read that Matthew 28, focuses on go. And immediately, we are, we're resisting. We don't want to go. We're comfortable here. The actual emphasis of the, of the Scripture is on making disciples. Discipling. The going is what we have to be prepared to do in order to obey the commission to make disciples. We focus on the wrong thing. We focus on what we find difficult, and so we find excuses. So, that's the first thing. The second thing is the priesthood of all believers. God has commissioned us, and so therefore we are all Involved. I think it was Martin Luther, the 16th century reformer, who first used this phrase, which is interesting because he was German and that's English, but I don't know what that means. But one thing that it definitely means is that in a Catholic context where they talk about uh, priests as those who suffer, suffer, 
Where did that come from? Who serve. <laughs> See, not quite the same thing. Uh, this would have been a this would have been a seriously, you know, one of Martin Luther's many, many glorious Catholic faux pas. Real comment that was a thorn in the side. It was in about the third century that uh, Christians started embracing the idea that actually the church should function and operate more like the temple. And that was when the language of uh, priests as leaders in the church started coming back. But it was not the pattern or picture that Jesus had left for us. It was not the pattern or picture that God had worked out, especially through Paul and Peter in the first church. That discussion's for another, another time. But I think that... Um, just mentioning Peter, I think that Martin Luther had this scripture from 1 Peter 2 in mind. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession, so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I think that Peter was thinking of Moses in Exodus 19.6, who said, but you... You will belong to me as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is Yahweh speaking through Moses. These are the words that you will speak to the Israelites. So this vision of everybody being involved was not a new idea to Peter or Paul. It was God's intention from the beginning. And guess what? Revelation also picks up on it. Revelation 1.6 says, And he has made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. It's presented as the norm. This is how God is working out his purpose and plan. And in the context of Revelation, this is the norm within which I'm going to show you what is coming. So there's no question in my mind, there's no question in my understanding of the scripture that we are all equally commissioned. So then why do we have elders and deacons and, and leaders and other, other things? Because God has not called all of us to the same thing, to fulfill the same role in the same part. And on top of that, God's not called us to fulfill the same thing at the same time. So at one stage of our life, we may be more involved in, in one area than at another. The question is, are we pre prepared to embrace his commissioning his way? From faith to faith. Starting by faith, receiving Jesus. Living out in faith by the obedience that comes from faith. So it means for us as believers, equal standing before God and equal responsibility. That's why leadership in the church is, is an interesting thing because authority is given for the common good. Authority is given to God's leaders to lead us into the presence of God. It's not to slap us around the face and make us feel small. It's the exact opposite. 
We were talking as elders a little while ago about the responsibility that we have. The, one of the biggest parts of our responsibility as elders is to encourage, recognize, re, and equip to enable each one of us to step into what God has commissioned us to specifically. Now, I consider that ju not just a privilege, but something exciting. It's, a, it's a, one of the opportunities to, to be um, and allow others to be all that they have purposed, all that God has purposed and planned for them to be. And notice that I'm being very vague about what God has called you to. It's deliberate because of a number of reasons. It's deliberate because if I tell you what I think you are, there's a good chance that I may be wrong. But apart from that, you will own my revelation. You need to own your revelation of what God wants you to do. One quick last thought. Have you come to give rather than to get? 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, therefore, what should you do, brothers? It's like he's listening to my sermon. What should I do? Whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, a teaching, has a revelation, a tongue, has an interpretation. All things must be done for the edification. When you come to church, do you come to get? There are times when it is legitimate for us to come to receive. When you are feeling weak, when you've been battered by life that week, come to receive. But if that is your norm, then you're missing God's commissioning for you. Come to give. And I'm going to be really silly in my example of this. Have you come to give a smile? Because sometimes that's what somebody else needs, is just to be smiled at. But even in your smiling, you can be smiling so that somebody comes and ministers to you. So are you coming to give or to get? Are you coming to give glory to Jesus and be with your brothers and sisters? Or are you coming to get a good feeling? God has commissioned us and has given us so much. Our Sunday times together are, should be <laughs> wonderful encouragements. It's like Jared said, why do we have testimonies? So that we can spur one another on. You may be still in the middle swimming the race whereas somebody else is crossing the finish line. You need to know there is a finish line there and you can cross it because somebody else has crossed it, crossed it already. Testimonies encourage us. Have you come to give or to get? So Jesus has given us a great commission. It's to all believers. It's to you, to me. That's the big picture. We are a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. That's such a magnificent phrase, something to think on, homework. Just like Jesus, priest and king. He's called us to be like him, not just positionally, but practically, experientially. 
priests bring people to God and God to people. We are a royal priesthood. And we need to embrace our commissioning and what it means and come with the attitude to give and not rather than to get. The reality is you can't outgive God. So in our attitude of giving, we will always end up feeling like we receive more than we can give. I want to encourage you that God has commissioned you. Part of the things that we struggle with is recognizing what that is, and partly because we try and over-spiritualize um, our, our commissioning. There's a very good chance that the majority of us here this morning, God has commissioned to what we call the business world. Are you hearing me? He's commissioned you to be involved in the entertainment industry, in the medical field, in uh, even in IT. Wow. God has commissioned you to this thing. But because it feels too mundane and normal and natural, we equate it with worldly. The gifts we have come from God. The devil never created anything, anything good that you have, any good skill, any ability to earn finance comes from God. Our problem is we don't embrace that and we don't embrace the truth that I mentioned earlier that God wants us to start by faith and continue by faith. If you're here this morning and you've battled with this thing of what part do I have to play? How do I fit in, Lord? I've, you know, I can, I can pay the, play the triangle. Lord, how do I fit in? I love business. I'm good at this. I'm creative at that. But you haven't submitted that gifting in you to Jesus. And you are working it out exclusively in the natural, exclusively in the flesh by your skill, this morning, we're going to submit ourselves to God. We're going to recommission ourselves or allow ourselves to be recommissioned under the hand of God. Can I ask you to stand? I would like to lead us in prayer, and then I'd, I'm going to ask those who are really feeling you want to take a stand for Jesus on this thing, that whoever you are, a teacher, a cook, a pilot, whatever, that you want to embrace Jesus as Lord over your commissioning. So I want to lead us in prayer first, and then I'm going to ask you to step forward, and we're going to have people minister to you. So can I ask you to close your eyes so you're not distracted? Faithful Father, Almighty God, thank you for your purpose and plan. Lord, our greatest difficulty is embracing your will by faith. We want to work it out and we want you to, to show us all the detail before, before we'll enter in. So first of all, we repent. We repent of trying to do your will our way. And we embrace this reality that you have given us a great commission. 
a part to play in building your kingdom. It's you who's building it. But you have called us to partner with you. So we repent from having tried to do your will our way and we embrace the life of faith. Lord, won't you come and be CEO of our businesses? Won't you come and be the chief surgeon of our enterprises? Won't you come and be the all in all of every area that we're involved in? Because we choose to receive your commission and see our lives in the context of you having commissioned us. And so this morning, we respond to you as you recommission us. If that's you and you want to respond to God this morning, I invite you, come forward. We want to stand with you. We want to pray with you. But you want to do God's will, God's way. You haven't had that sense and you haven't involved Jesus in your, in your, in your yeah, in your calling. I'm going to use the word business, in your business environment. Step forward as a, as a response to him. If you have that revelation and you're living in that revelation, then I ask you to step forward to come and pray with, with these people. I'm going to pray a general prayer over us and then I'm going to trust God. But if you have that sense of, of calling, vocation is another word that's used around this, please come and pray with those who are standing. Faithful Father, as I stand before you this morning, I embrace your calling on my life. I embrace the fullness of it, and I want you to I thank you for the skill and the gifting that you've given me to be excellent in, in this area. I pray that you will increase my understanding and my passion. But Lord, right now, I respond and receive your recommissioning of me. It's the same commission, but I receive it anew, afresh. I receive it for the first time this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are my CEO. You are my, my boss, and I will work as unto you. Speak to me, speak through me. I pray, Lord, for divine strategies, wisdom and understanding to come and be, be imparted. Specific things, Lord, to be just poured out into the hearts and minds. And I pray for courage and faith to respond to those things. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about NCMI, please go to ncmi.net. You can also find out more information about Venture Church by going to venturechurch.co.za.